Hi, I'm Olaomi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above their level of thinking. Are you looking for transformation from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Hey, allow me here and welcome back to the Super Abundant Life podcast. This is episode 76. I think it's episode 76. <laughs> I believe it's episode 76. But before I even say anything about what the episode is going to be about, etc., I want to first of all take this opportunity to say thank you for every single one of you that reached out and celebrated me on my birthday. So I'm recording the intro to this podcast on Sunday night, the 20th of September. Um, my birthday was Saturday, 19th of September, and I received such an outpouring of love that it literally blew my mind. It literally, literally blew my mind. I'm still responding to messages. I'm still getting back to people, etc., and just saying thank you. Uh, a lot of prayers. I, I've, you know, read every prayer, said amen to every prayer. Prayers, words of encouragement, words of love, gifts, gifts. As in, I'm, I'm truly, truly grateful, and I feel so privileged. Honestly, that you know, um, I feel so privileged, and. Uh, I'll just tell you how I spent my day uh, because you listen to the podcast you probably are a little bit interested in that um, got up in the morning my my usual time okay I slept okay I've been awake actually I think I, I woke up earlier maybe it was the it was the fact that always my birthday etc and it was Saturday so I didn't really need to get up that early as I would do on a weekday but I, I was I was up really early and I was just thinking about the goodness of God just lying down in bed just thinking about the goodness of God and then around probably around five o'clock I got up and <laughs> I got up I was I was going to go downstairs which is what I would usually do to pray to worship etc and my husband was like, don't go downstairs. He said, he said, you go downstairs. I said, yes, I'm going downstairs. He said, you stay here. Let me go downstairs. Because, you know, one of us would either stay and the other would go so that we could um, have the privacy to pray and then come back and then finish off together, whatever. But it didn't even click. <laughs> it didn't click. I was like, I always go downstairs, right? Um, or you go downstairs, etc. But it was like, no, you stay. I said, oh, okay okay all right you don't want me to go downstairs he said yes i want to stay here when he said that it just occurred to me that what did they plan what have they done downstairs <laughs> you know he didn't want to give it away but at the same time he didn't want me to go and see what they had done downstairs so i knew that there was something waiting for me downstairs i i just sort of played along i was like, okay fine i'll stay up here so i i just went into into the side room and I, I just, I started, I, I didn't even pray. I was just praising God. I was dancing, you know, the kind of dance like, you know, komole, like Yoruba dance where you, you are going to the floor and really dancing. I worked up a sweat, just praising God. And during that session of praise, I caught a revelation. I caught a revelation about the goodness of God. You mean, I mean, I've always known that, okay, God is big, God is great, God is all that. But sometimes, sometimes because I've been doing a lot of uh, mindset work in the week leading up to this, you know, just expanding my mind, etc. You know, my vision is expanding about the work God has called me to. 
etc but it got to the point where at that on that morning saturday morning, morning my birthday as i worshiped god and i praised him i thanked him i just i just saw something about myself in re, in in relation to god and i i i looked at myself and i thought all these you know with any human being when i remember the scripture that said what is mine man that you are mindful of him and then i realized that in the angels when angels say who is this man that you are like why are you so hyped about these human beings they weren't just saying like who is man that you're mindful of? they were like perplexed they were truly truly confused as in these guys are you know they're like a speck of dust compared to you god why are you so mindful of them and i just caught a revelation something else hit me and i realized that Honestly, compared to God, we're like a speck of dust. And when you think of it that way, it just blows your mind as to how intelligent, how infinitely intelligent God is. Because if you if you think about it, you look down and you have you have some sand or something on the floor, and you look at the sand, and each grain of sand is distinct, isn't it? Now let's say that the sand on the floor is like a community, and each one represents human beings. Remember, God told Abraham that your descendants will be like the grain of sand, right? So each each grain of sand re represents a human being, and then you have this grain of sand, and you as you as a human being are looking down no matter how intelligent you are you cannot identify a grain of sand do you understand you can't look down and say hey that is grain of sand um number 52 that's grain of sand 1033 you can't it's impossible but god not only recognizes each of us right which is like a speck a grain of sand compared to his size right but he also knows the exact details of our lives so you know sometimes grains of sand that are playing together you know in a community you might forget that there's someone <laughs> that is infinitely bigger than you simply because oh we're a grain of sand we're grains of sand we're in this community we understand each other as human beings but you think that in the context of Un of the universe and the universe as in in the context of the universe alone oh, that god created were like a speck honestly even in the context of the solar system alone we are like a speck so I, I, it just blew my mind like oh my god no matter as in it just it, a fresh wave of humility came over me that whatever i may achieve by the grace of god honestly honestly God is just superbly amazing. It just, it, it just, it just made me appreciate him more. That how can you, someone that is so magnificent, someone that is so mighty, someone that is way out of my league, condescend to my level to come and say that you love me? My heart was just, you know, bursting with that love. And for me, I just went to another level of understanding of the love of God. So that was God's gift to me. That was my birthday gift <laughs> from God on my birthday. And obviously, you know, he, he now put it in people's hearts. He put it in people's hearts to show me, to demonstrate his love for me again um, in so many beautiful ways. Certain things, things that I, I did not even ask for. But I had seen that, oh, I, that looks good. I'd, I'd like that. And I'd made a mental note to maybe reach out to the person and, and buy it or whatever it is. But I didn't have the time. I just moved on. As in those things literally arrived. They came. 
and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I didn't even ask you for it, God. I didn't even pursue actively. I didn't actively pursue these things, but they still found their way to me. And the way I see it is I'm extremely grateful to people, but ultimately I know the source of all good things is God. So I always see it as God just demonstrating his love to me. Anytime someone, anyone, anything good happens to me, I see it ultimately as God demonstrating his love for me um so yeah uh i i had my what's it called so my prayer session and yes i went downstairs my family had you know they worked very hard to put up balloons decorations they ordered a massive gigantic beautiful cake um so so many beautiful things presents came flowers etc etc we spent the whole day went out for breakfast as a family came back after that and we just hung out we just hung out i was answering um phone calls messages etc and we watched tv we ate we just chilled um a couple of friends came over in the evening it was a really lovely day and i'm truly truly grateful to god and i'm grateful to every single one of you that reached out to me to celebrate me on my birthday thank you so much so okay let's move on to today's episode which is episode 76 episode 76 i'm going to be talking about how to turn any any adversity or any kind of setback into your biggest success into your biggest success you know how god says for your ashes i will give you beauty what are actually the practical steps what does that entail you know promises in god's word says i will turn everything bad into good i will work all things together for your good we know that scripture we quote it all the time but you look at some of the things in your life and you say okay oh where is the good inside this thing i don't see the good in it or from any angle <laughs> that i look at it it looks all bad it looks like a crisis it looks like the sky has fallen. God, where is the beauty in these ashes? Oh, right. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to be talking about today, right? What are the steps? What exactly can you do to look at any setback in your life, any kind of adversity, and literally work on it, submitting it to God until it becomes your biggest advantage or your biggest success story now this this i'm not going to be teaching this afresh so i'm recording this intro because i'm then going to play you a recording um that of the of a teaching that i did earlier this year um there was a series that i taught in my in my mentoring program the super abundant woman mentoring program community uh called saw and I taught a series called The Five Irrefutable Laws of Change. The Five Irrefutable Laws of Change. And I talked about five distinct laws, right? The laws work together, but they also stand alone. Each law stands alone about how you can take any kind of a disadvantage and turn it into your biggest advantage. If you're experiencing any kind of crisis, if you're going through a period of change in your life and it looks confusing and it looks dark and you're like god what's going on you don't have to be a victim you don't have to lay down and just let life happen to you you can take advantage of it and turn it around for your good that's what god promised in his word so i'm taking one of those laws one of them one of the five all five are super powerful 
and I know this because I have applied them at different stages in my life and I've seen the power of God do tremendous things in turning things around for my good and also I've heard feedback a lot of feedback about that series where people have told me how it has literally changed their perspective and then gone on to change their situations because of the knowledge that they received from that series I'm only going to be sharing one if one more you need to come into saw <laughs> come and join so okay if you're a woman that is yeah if you're not a woman you're a man you can still work with me you can come and get coached right so i'm going to share one of the five if if you're in so and you're listening to this and you say oh i've listened i've listened to that oh i've i, I remember that series oh it was really powerful well this is an opportunity for you to listen to it again and to apply it again and for it to be refreshed in your memory so that you can glean from it once again so don't say oh i'll just keep to next week no listen to it because i'm doing exactly the same thing i went back i listened to it again i'm oh my god oh my god i'm fired up again yes let's go <laughs> because literally every time you speak life you every time you speak the word of god or you teach principles that are aligned with principles of god you are literally injecting life into that situation right you are, if you listen to a teaching like that, you are receiving life. So it's, an, it's a fresh injection of life. So don't say I've listened to it before. I'm just going to skip this one. Listen to it and I guarantee that it will bless you. So I'm going to now hand you over to a recording that I did earlier the year, or I should call it a teaching on how to convert or how to turn any, and I mean any, any setback, any disadvantage in your life into your greatest advantage into your biggest success story so sit back listen enjoy and don't forget to send me your feedback your comments or your questions about this episode or any other episodes that you have listened to so far hello and welcome welcome to this series that I'm going to be teaching over five days and the series is titled Mastering Change, the five irrefutable laws for thriving in crisis. So that's what we're going to be looking at. The five laws, irrefutable laws, that means they always work. They always work. These are principles that are established and will always work that will allow you to thrive in any crisis. Now, the first thing I want to say is when I talk about crisis, I don't, I'm uh, not only referring to, you know, for example, um, the current pandemic, you know, people might think, okay, regarding my career, I'm actually talking, these are laws that will work for any kind of change that you're looking for. So if you think about any year of your life where you're like, I don't like what I see and I want to, I want to go to the next level. I want to go to another level of glory. I want to leave where I am into where I'm seeing in my heart. Then these are laws that always work. So if you, if you find yourself in any place where you are dissatisfied with where you are, you, are, you feel unfulfilled, you feel like there's more, then there are five laws that will always work. And obviously, um, when I when I teach, I'm going to be uh, referring to a lot to the current situation as well. But I wanted to say, first of all, that it certainly goes beyond that, okay? Now, what are those five laws? The five laws are, first of all, the law of service. That's number one. Number two 
is love vision. Number three is love anticipation. Number four is love synergy. And number five is the law of reinvention. Now, while all these five laws work together, they also actually stand alone. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you must have all five in order to go to the next level or to thrive in crisis. Each one can, when applied, can actually take you to wherever you need to go. And as I continue to teach throughout the week, you will see that. So today I'm going to be talking about the law of service, the law of service. And before I go on, actually, so um, what I've done is um, I've put together a concoction of my own experiences, uh, what I've learned from reading books, um, principles from God's word, the Bible says so a mixture of everything, but I want to reference some of the books that I'm going to be talking about. Some of the, uh, a couple of the books that I, that I drew some of the principles from. So the main books that I'm going to be referencing throughout the week, and I'm sure a few others might pop up, but the main ones are, of course, the Bible. <laughs> um, the second one is the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. And the third one is Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. So these are particularly those two books. They are books that are very relevant in this season. And like I said, there are others that I, that I'm going to be referring to, but those are the main ones. All right. So today, the first session in the series, in the Mastering Change series is the love service. <laughs> and I think the title may have sort of given it away. But I want to start off by saying, you know, because as Christians, we're quite given. You think, okay, I'm in need. What can I do? I need to go and sow into somebody's life. Please, it's more than that. <laughs> it's more than that. It's more than that. Let me just go and find somebody in need and go and sow into their lives. How many of you have sown, you know, you 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 had a need and then you went to sow and you didn't see anything uh, come out of it. So it, it is, it is much more than let me go and give an offering or let me go and, you know, help somebody in need. These are things that have to come out of certain principles. So these are principles that when applied always work. That's why they are laws. Okay. So the law of service, I'm going to sort of build up to what I mean by the law of service using different lessons from what I, you know, from the books that I referenced and from my own experience as well. The law of service. If it's possible, try and write some things down. Not everything I'm saying, but if it's possible to actually, if something jumps out at you, I want you to write it down because I'm not teaching this, this series just for the sake of teaching. I'm teaching it because I believe that in this season, God wants us to thrive. I believe with everything inside me has been showing me has pretty much throughout 2019 about 2020. <laughs> so I believe with every fiber of my being that this is the moment for us to shine. So there are certain laws that we must obey for what God has promised to find effect in our lives. So as I share throughout the week, there are certain instructions that will come to you and you will know exactly what to do. You will know exactly what to do. All right. So love service. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. Now, I'm going, like I said, I'm going to build up to what I actually mean by the love service. The first thing that I want you to understand is, okay, my definition of crisis. So what do I mean by crisis? A crisis is something or a situation whereby you look around you and you feel like the walls are closing in. All right. That's one way to describe it. 
you definitely look around and say, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I don't want to be here. Another way to describe a crisis is if there is more going in than is coming out. So if you keep putting a lot of energy or effort or money into something, and then you look on the other side, because if the Bible says that you will sow and then you will reap much more on the other side. So if I keep investing, it might be somebody's career. You think I should be past where I am currently. I put so much in. It might be your marriage. Why is it still like this? So that's a crisis whereby over a prolonged period of time, you have been investing in something. It's as if you're putting what um, money in a bag full of holes. So you are investing consistently in something. But if you try and judge what has come out on the other side, compared to your investment, you can't really see anything as in it's like it's not balancing so that's my own definition of a crisis and based on that definition you can see that it goes beyond okay i've lost my job what do i do now right it goes way beyond that so what you're thinking about now what we should all be thinking about in this season is how do i come out of this current season with abundance because the situation around me is saying that lack is now the new normal. That's what it's saying, right? They, if you look left, right, and center, everyone is saying this is unprecedented. And as a result of that, so many things have happened. And just, you know, you need to take salary cuts, etc. That is what people are saying. But I don't want that to be my situation. I believe that this is actually the time for me to prosper and to enter into abundance. So, if anything comes out of it that is not abundance, that is what we're talking about being in a state of crisis. Do you understand that? So I want you to begin to think of it this way as even coming out of this situation exactly the same is crisis because we can't have gone through all this. Earth, the earth itself can't have gone through all this, right? And then as a result of that, still come out, things are back to normal then why did we suffer all this? Why did all these things happen? There has to be something good that comes out of it. So what we're going after is that good that God has locked into anything. The Bible says that God works all things together for good, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Okay. Now I'm going to, I'm going to break it into three parts. All right. Because I like to be structured in my teaching. The first thing in, in order for you to thrive. So today I'm focusing on the law of service and I'm going to build up to that. The first thing in order for you to thrive in crisis. So to come out on the other side, not depleted, but with abundance. The first thing is you must have a paradigm shift. You must have what is called a paradigm shift. And what's a paradigm shift is when you literally see things differently. Stephen Covey in his book talked about like wearing a glasses. Every one of us, we're wearing a pair of glasses, whether you like it or not. In fact, we wear glasses for different situations. So two people can face a situation, be looking at something, and depending on the glasses that they are wearing, they will interpret it in completely different ways. The first thing is, if you're in a situation and you want change, if you're in a marriage and you say, look, my marriage needs to go to the next level, I'm tired of this. 
you can't go to that next level wearing the same glasses you've been wearing for the last five years or 10 years or since you got married. Because it is impossible to operate at a higher level than the level at which you are seeing. It is simply impossible. You can't. You can struggle. You can do everything. You can kick and scream. You can shout. You can send out all the CVs that <laughs> to all the companies in the world. But if you're seeing at a particular level and you don't yet have a paradigm shift, right, to the next level, then you will continue to struggle and you will not lead it anywhere. And it will even take you deeper into crisis. Remember, I define crisis as when you put a lot of effort or energy or time or money, resources into something. And then you look on the other side and there's barely anything coming out, at least nothing that matches what you've invested in, right? So if the first thing that you must understand is it requires a paradigm shift and not just any kind of paradigm shift. This specifically is a paradigm shift that you must take on if you're going to thrive when everyone else is failing. And what is that? I want you to think about this. The Bible says that if they had known, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand? It says, if they had known. So what does that mean? It means that the fact that they actually went after Jesus helped him achieve the best result he could have in that situation. If Satan had known that by killing Jesus, right, that the Holy Spirit would come and then come and raise him up. And as a result of that, he would now receive a name that is above every name, that he will be given a seat at the right hand of the Father. He would have protected Jesus with every demon in hell. He would have said, don't touch him. Just leave him alone. Don't touch him. Protect him. If anyone tries to kill him, go after that person. He says, if they had known. So what is the paradigm shift that if, when you find yourself in a situation that you would consider a crisis, that you are dis satisfied with that you find unfulfilling grossly unfulfilling the first thing you must sit down and it's not something that you just casually do you have to sit down and you have to put off the old glasses of they are targeting me and you have to put on the new glasses of listen this is not happening to me it is happening for me so that's the first step that you must take. It's called a paradigm shift. You have to sit down and say, why did this happen? Right? Why did this happen? And your conclusion at the end of that question must always be, it did not happen to me. It happened for me. So if I receive a phone call and the person says, oh, you're no longer, you no longer have a job. You have to come to the point. You have to take off what is called the victim mentality, the glasses that says, hey, see what they've done. After putting all this time and energy into this work and to this company, how dare they? No, 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 no. Because at that point, you're saying it is happening to you. So you have to sit down and first of all, 
establish your heart that it is happening for you. The Bible says that persecution comes, why? For the sake of the word. And why is it happening to you? Because you're carrying something. So the first thing is, it is happening for you, right? It is not happening to you. Because the moment, the moment you tell yourself that this thing has come to happen to me, you become completely powerless. You, there's nowhere to go from that. Because you become subject to that situation. Nobody can help you from that point. If you look at your marriage and you say, this is my husband. If only he would just change. If only he would just do this. If only you have rendered yourself completely powerless in that situation. You cannot, even God cannot help you in that situation. Because you have taken the power, the power that God gave you to build your own life. The power he gave you to create your own experiences, you literally took it and threw it away. So it is not happening. If you need to go and write down, write that down somewhere. It is not happening to me. It is happening for me. It has come because I'm carrying something. It has come because I'm carrying something. Go and look at throughout the Bible, starting with Adam. Why did Satan go after Adam and Eve in the first place? It's because they were carrying something. Why did Satan go after Jesus? It's because he was carrying something. Why did Satan go after Joseph? It's because he was carrying something. And I can go on and on. Moses, why? Because he was carrying something. Abraham, Sarah, all these people, why? Did they encounter all those things? Because they were carrying something. So there's something that is about to come out, which is called your inheritance. There's an inheritance that is tied to every crisis that you find yourself in. There's an inheritance that is tied to it. And the more you begin to see that this thing has actually come to help me get into my inheritance, the more you are fired up and you're like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay. So I'll repeat that statement. It is not happening to you. It is happening for you. I'll use the children of Israel as an example. So God did all the miracles in Egypt and everything. He, he did everything for them. All right. And they came out the first test, the first test. And I used to wonder until God sent me back and said, go and read it again. What did God, what did I say to Moses? And I realized that what God said to Moses was, this will be the sign. He says, I'm going to deliver my children from Pharaoh. And then he said, this will be the sign, right? That I will take you in. So delivering them from Egypt, he said, is a sign that I'm going to take them in. So the deliverance from Egypt was not the actual work. It was just to show them that I promise that I will take you in. So the first time they encountered any kind of quote-unquote crisis, they had no water. It could have killed them. It was a crisis. Guess what they did? They said, it is happening to us. They didn't understand that the reason why they had to go through that was to begin to build their own muscles because they were going to face giants. God knew what was ahead. So they were going to face giants. I mean, 
think about it. God, before they got to the place where there was no water, is God not God? Could he not have just made the water available before they got there? He could have. He did that for them in Egypt. But he realized that there comes a time when, as my husband says, you have to matriculate into maturity. God will not carry you forever. If you've been born again 15 years, 10 years, 5 years, 20 years, and you're still praying prayers like a six-month-old baby in Christ, then God is saying, you're not serious. I'm, there are nations waiting for you to deliver. And you're still coming after and say, God, 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 come and come and do this, come and he's saying, and wait, there are nations that are waiting for you. Do you understand? So the first time they encounter any kind of challenge, guess what they did? They said it's happening to us. They didn't understand that it was happening for them. The Bible says that I tested them. God said He tested them at the waters. It was a test. Do you understand? They should have looked at it and said, what is this amongst what God has done? They should have stood up and should have said, Moses, talk to God and he will give you instructions and we're sure that before nightfall, we will have water. That is when somebody understands that something is happening for them rather than to them. But because they, they, they put on the glasses of it is happening to us, they were completely powerless. And that was, and because God had so much mercy, he kept showing up and helping them. He kept at every point of failure, when they refused to get up and actually take advantage of the situation, God kept showing up. And then when the final test now came, when they were supposed to enter into the promised land, they failed. Why? Because they never took off the glasses of victim. If you are going to do anything great, you cannot have a smooth journey in life. It is impossible. I think the moment you settle that, the moment you settle that with yourself, between you and God, you become free. You become free. So that's the first thing that needs to happen. All right. I'm building up to the law of service. This is all part of love service. Like I said, love service is not just, oh, I'm in crisis. I just need to go and quickly sow a seed. No, it has to be directed by the Holy Spirit. And there are certain things that must precede it. The first one is a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. Had they known they would not have crucified Jesus, they would not have crucified Jesus. Okay? That's the first one. So it is not happening to you. It is happening for you. Why? Because you are carrying something. Because you are carrying something that God wants to birth. There's an inheritance that is locked up inside you. And this, this thing that has come, it hasn't come to bury you. Right? God knows how to take whatever comes against us to work it together for our good. Okay? That's the first one. The next layer... After that, right? The next layer after that. So the first one is a paradigm shift. Don't see anything that happens to you as something that has come to bury you. Okay? Because that renders you completely powerless. The next layer after that is for you to thrive, right? You have to take responsibility for what happens next. 
you have to take responsibility for what happens next. So you can't say, oh, okay, now I've taken up the glasses of I'm no longer a victim, all right? Now I know that there's something happening. There's I'm carrying something. But the moment you step out <laughs> and you try and do something and it doesn't work out, you start saying again, okay, maybe not. There are no jobs. So if I try and apply for jobs, I've been rejected so many times. I think it is not the right climate. No, 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 no. We're saying the next step is for you to come to the point where you understand that that new level is not, is not, how do I say it? It is inevitable. Johnson, it is inevitable. So it is yours. Nothing can stop it from happening. Nothing can stop it. So, it is like the children of Israel at the point where they were about to enter into the promised land. There are two ways that you can handle it. You can say, right, there are giants there. And because there are giants there, I can't enter into the promised land. Right? Or you can say the promised land is already mine. And because it is mine, the way that I respond to this word that God has given it will determine whether I enter into the promised land or not. I want to, I'm going to, I, there's a quote from the seven habits that I want to share. And it says that anytime you think that the problem is out there, so not you, right? Anytime you think that the problem is out there, that thought itself is the problem. So anytime you think, the problem in my marriage is my husband. The fact that you're thinking like that is actually the problem. Anytime you think that, oh, I'm looking for a job. Oh, they're only giving jobs to people that have um, experience at this level, not for someone like me. It is not that they are giving jobs to people at that level. It is that thought that is keeping you from being able to get the job at that level. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So the second one is you have to take full responsibility for what happens from that moment on. You cannot and you cannot allow yourself to put that responsibility on anything outside of you. Because the moment you do that, you literally concede defeat. Do you understand? You can't. You can't allow yourself. I know it's tough, but listen, if we're talking about thriving in a general crisis, this is what we need to do. You cannot allow yourself to get to the point where you would even consider putting responsibility on anything or anyone outside of yourself. So it's not about the problem is out there. I look within and I say that I can do it. Why? Because God is within me. So the moment I take responsibility that, listen, it is up to me. It is not up to anyone else. The change, what happens next is entirely up to me. It is not written in the stars. Some might say, well, um, where, you know, there's a pandemic and what's going to happen next is, well, obviously people are going to lose their jobs and they'll, you know, I'll, I'll probably need to take a pay cut, etc. It's not, it's not yet written. <laughs> In this, Jensen, what happens next is entirely up to you. What happens next is your responsibility. Okay. 
what happens next is your responsibility, right? So this is what I'm saying. Look at Joseph in the Bible. We all know the story of Joseph, so I'm not even going to open the Bible to go and read it. Joseph was sold into slavery, right? And if we go by logical terms, that should have been the end for Joseph. I mean, this was someone that was born into an affluent family. He was born into wealth. And then he was suddenly taken from anything and then was just sold into slavery, right? If we were writing that script without knowing the life of Joseph and the story, we would have said, ah, wow, that's so wicked. That's how they just destroy that boy's life like that. Ah, may God forgive them. That's what we would have said. If we were writing that story, that is what we would have said. But guess what, right? What happened next was different. Why? Because Joseph decided to take responsibility for it. So first of all, in Potiphar's house, he decided to prosper even though he was a slave. When he was put in prison, in prison, he decided to prosper even though he was in prison. And from that place in prison, he decided, listen, to be promoted. That's what I'm saying. You can write what happens next by simply taking responsibility for it. So you have to sit down and say, what will it take? What is my part in this? What do I need to do in order for me to go on to what I see in my heart? It will not, again, remember what I said the first time, it's not going to happen to you. So it works both um, positively and negatively. So you can't say, oh, the negative thing didn't come and happen to me, but I'm just going to sit down and the positive things will come and happen to me. So I'm just going to sit down and somebody's going to come and give me a job. What you need to think about is who do I need to become? What do I need to do? What is my responsibility in creating that job? And it could just simply be something as a shift in your mind. So what I'm doing tonight is I'm building up. These are layers because I found, you know, one, one of the <laughs> I said, conundrums of Christianity or Pentecostalism is people give, people serve. They give, 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 right? Um, but the return is, does not always match up. And there's no way you can tell me that you're not supposed to expect a return. It's all over the Bible. You can give out of you know, pure conscience and all that. But if you are a giver, God says that he multiplies back. So this is not just about serving anyhow. You have to understand that there are layers that, that undergird the law of service. There are layers that undergird the law of service. Okay? Second one, as I said, is... You have to take responsibility for what happens next. It hasn't been written yet in the sense that simply because a word says this is what's going to happen does not mean that's going to even God. God is saying this is what is my will for you, right? The world is saying this is what is going to happen. You are the one that will decide what will happen, whether it is what the world is saying or whether it is what God is saying. So it is entirely dependent 
on you. God is not going to force his will to come and happen in our lives. I wish he would do it, honestly. It would make life so much easier. <laughs> but he has his reasons. He wants us to mature. So it's not yet written. It is not yet. Don't take it for granted that on, on either side. Don't take it for granted that, oh, it's going to be really bad. And at the same time, don't take it for granted that, oh, it's going to be really good. God is just going to bless me. No, you have to decide and take responsibility for those blessings to happen. And how do we do that? So the first two layers, like legs, if you think about a stool, a stool has three legs, right? A stool has three legs. Those first two must be in place before the third one, which is the service part of it, will work for you. If you only have a stool and you only put it on the, oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to go and serve, and the other two are out of place, then you might find yourself putting money in a bag full of holes, as the Bible says. So you keep doing stuff and giving and all that and serving, and then you now get offended that, ah, how come, you know, nothing is coming out of all these things that I'm doing? Okay? All right. So, <laughs> the third leg or the third layer, which is now the law of service, is what I'm going to talk about now. And I love the way Stephen Covey described it in, in one, I think it's in the first chapter. He, he talked about something called um, the circle of influence and the circle of concern. Now, the law of service <laughs> is a very, very simple one. Let me, let me explain what I mean. The third one, the third layer that is required for, for the law of service to be complete is, let me, let me try and describe this, the, the circle to you. So if you think about two concentric circles, so a small circle and then a bigger circle around it, the outer circle, right? So I'm, I'm imploring you to use your imagination now. The outer circle is your circle of concern. And what that simply means is, the things that are bothering you. So the job market, the marriage, the things that are just, the things that are not working that are sort of really bothering you. Things that are almost out of your control. Okay. So if you think about concern, what are the things that you are concerned about? What is on your mind? What, what is weighing heavily on your mind? Okay. Now the inner circle. So I'm putting my own spin on this. He don't, he didn't exactly describe it this way, but I'm from my own understanding. The circle that's inside is called the circle of influence. So that is what you can do. So that is basically being able to give, looking outward, right? So you have the circle of concern, which is on the outside. Now, if you think about it, the wider your circle of concern gets. So when you keep looking at what is outside, as in, I, you know, I basically thinking about yourself. The more you think about the troubles you are going through, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, that's your circle of concern. The bigger that circle, the outer circle gets, what happens to the inner circle? It shrinks, doesn't it? Yeah? The inner circle, which is your circle of influence, shrinks. So the bigger your circle of concern. So when you have your eyes on this is what I'm going through, 
This is what I'm going through. This is not working in my life. This is going wrong. I just don't understand. I'm going through all these things. That's called your circle of concern. And the bigger that circle gets, automatically this inner circle, your circle of influence shrinks. Now, let me paint the second scenario. If your circle of influence, which is the inner circle, right, where you begin to look outward, when you begin to think about, okay, I know I'm going through stuff, but I want to look outward. The bigger that circle gets, the smaller your circle of concern gets. So in a very simple way, what am I saying? I'm saying the more you look outward and focus on other people, right? The smaller your own problems get. Not that they get in the sense that you stop thinking about them and that's it. No, 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 no. The smaller they, as in it is, they will literally take care of themselves. Okay. Let me show you. <laughs> so I am um, to wrap up. Um, I'm going to now, I'm going to spend the rest of the time, probably about 10 minutes talking about really zooming in on the law of service. And I'm going to show you that when you focus on other people, right? In a time of crisis, automatically your own concerns begin to shrink. Automatically. It's a law. It's a law, right? When you focus your own problems, literally, they begin to get resolved and you don't understand why. Because it's a law that God has set in motion. I talked about Joseph earlier. Joseph took his eyes off himself and what his brothers had done to him. And instead, he decided to serve his master wherever he found himself. And in that service, the problem that he could not have solved himself was resolved. Joseph could not have gotten himself out of the crisis of being a slave. It was impossible. If he tried to run away, they would have killed him. So he literally said, okay, I'm in this right? What do I need to do? I need to now focus on other people. What is the assignment? Why am I here? Remember the first thing I said is it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. So I'm going to show you now how you can recognize those kind of opportunities because the more you look inward, the wider your circle of concern gets. And it will swallow you up eventually because you will stop seeing anything other than the problems that you're going through. And that is disempowering. Do you understand? Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to teach from Luke 5. So this is why I'm going to round up today about the law of service. So Luke chapter 5. This is what we need to know. It says... From verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. It says he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Now, why were they washing their nets? Later on, you, you will read when Peter said, We had toiled all night and we caught nothing. So they were in a crisis. Because they were daily earners. That means something to us in this season. We know the people that are suffering the most, particularly, you know, in some of the places like Lagos and so on, 
it's because they're daily earners. So they bring money in every day that will allow them to eat the next day. This was the same situation. So these guys were daily earners. So the fact that they had toiled all night and caught nothing was crisis for them because they probably didn't know how they were going to eat the next day, how their families were going to be fed, right? So they were in a crisis and they were washing their nets. So I want you to try and picture that, oh, remember, for you to even get to this place that I'm talking about, you need to have crossed those two barriers. If you are like Peter, if at this point you, are, you still haven't passed hurdle one, and you're saying, why is this always happening to me? Why is it that when we went to went to fish, that's when there was no fish? That was, and you, you're complaining. You're complaining. You're like, <laughs> that means you haven't even passed the first hurdle that this did not happen to me. It happened for me. Do you understand that? For you to even be talking about what I'm talking about in this third step, you have to have passed those two. And you have to have gotten to the point where it is now your choice what happens next. Okay. So Peter was washing his nets. And then Jesus needed him and needed his boat. Jesus needed. So there was a need in his environment. What happens when you don't, first of all, have those two legs of the stool in place is very simple. You will be so bitter that you will not be able to see the light at the end of any tunnel. If Peter had been complaining, if Peter had been like, it was always, it's only me, it's always me. When Jesus, try and think about it. When Jesus walked up to him and said, let me borrow your boat. Honest, let's be honest. What would have been Peter's reaction? He'd have been like, which boat? My friend, get out of here. <laughs> My friend, get out of here. But we're saying we have, we did catch anything. I don't know how my children are going to eat. Yeah, say you want to borrow. That is the reaction of the person that thinks that everything happens to them and not for them. Do you understand that? And then secondly, it is the reaction of someone that doesn't understand that what happens next I can write it. So if I actually make the right decisions from this point on, I can determine what happens next. It is not automatic. It is my choice. Okay. So Jesus goes to him and there was clearly a need. There was clearly a need. So three things that I want to share with you that will help you in this season, in this season, if you're, you know, in one of our confessions that we're making in the, in the recent praise feast we said we recognize opportunities that god brings our way to help people how do you recognize those opportunities the first one is there is someone that will be in your space you won't need to go and look for them so this is not the kind of thing whereby you say okay hey i want to go out of crisis so i'm going to go and look for there will be as in the same way peter was washing his nets he didn't go and find jesus you're going to say, what can I sow? Okay, I want to get double or hundredfold. What can, do you understand? It would be something that comes. The person would already be there. Do you understand that? So that's the first thing. It will be someone that is already in your vicinity. You won't need to climb seven mountains and cross a million seas, as I like to say, for you to find someone. It might be someone that you would easily recognize, right? And secondly, 
it will be clear to you that the person needs your help, whether they explicitly ask for it or not, or you are directed to do it. So you, you will know that this is something that I'm supposed to do. So it's possible that the person might come and ask. So that's explicit. I need your help with this. Okay. Or it could just be you, you can see that there's a need. Right. And I'm not, please don't, let's, I don't want you to put on the Pentecostals. I'm not just, I'm not talking about somebody's hungry. I want to go and give them money. I'm saying within your organization, for example, there is a need that you have is God has got before this thing happened. Remember it happened for you. God had deposited an idea inside you that will bring breakthrough to that department. Do you understand? And the idea would have been floating up inside you. Do you understand? But the tendency sometimes is you want to push that side and say, oh, they, they don't, who am I? They don't even need my help. I'm nothing. Do you understand? It's to try and talk ourselves out of it. You have to be vigilant and you have to be very, very careful not to allow doubt or fear or anything like that push those things away. So it will be something that is already in your vicinity, number one. Number two, you have the answer. It will be clear to you that you can help this person or that department or whatever it is. Okay. Um, the third one is you have the answer. I think I've already mentioned that. So it will be something that you can do. The same way, it's not, it's not going to be something whereby, oh, if I... I need to go and do a six-month course first before I can come and provide the solution to this problem that they're facing in the office. It will be something that is already in your possession. So that is how you know the kind of service that will open up the floodgates. Number one, I'll repeat that again. Number one, it will be in your vicinity. So have your eyes wide open. Number two, you will know clearly that you're supposed to help this person or that organization or whatever it is. You will know. And number three, you will already have whatever is required. It will already be in your hands. Okay? That is how you recognize. Right. This. So let's keep going. So Jesus came to Peter and said, I need your boat. And because Peter had gone over, gone through those two layers that I talked about, the two legs of the stool, and he came out on the other side. He's like, okay, fine. I'm going to, well, I, I don't feel very happy about this, the fact that I told all night. But this, this guy, remember at this point, they didn't know who Jesus was. Okay? He didn't know he was master. He didn't know. So he said, okay, you need help. Fine. I have a, I have a boat. I can help you. What's the big deal? And so as a result of that, he decided to help. If Peter had been concerned solely about his own problems, trust me, he would not have done it. Okay. All right. The second thing next, what I want you to see now is it will require some kind of sacrifice. It will require some kind of sacrifice. So let's keep reading. So it says, um, so Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your net to catch some fish. Now, before we get to that, I want you to think about 
what the thing that you have in your hand so so that you don't get tripped up by this even though it is available to you and you have it i want you to please understand that it will still require some kind of sacrifice so it will not be a massive sacrifice okay the fact that remember they were washing their nets that means they were about to go home and i don't know how long <laughs> jesus's sermon was let's say it was even an hour i don't think it was an hour it was probably longer than that but let's say it was even an hour that was an hour longer than he could have gone home so the next thing you need to understand is at this point look out for opportunities where you need to go one step further than usual don't do things as normal in this so you give beyond what you would normally do right but for the right opportunities now as i begin to wrap up this the fact that jesus went to peter i want you to look at this i really want to drive home this point that it is not happening to you it is happening for you if peter had hauled him they went they went fishing right and he got what he would normally get none of this would have happened the miracle that came after him abandoning everything and following jesus he would have missed all of that because he would have gotten his fish he probably would not have had time for jesus because they would have been cleaning their fish or whatever it is okay now let me read and I'll say, so he sat in the boat, taught the crowds. When I finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go away, it is deep and lay down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. If you say so, I'll let down the net again. And at this time, the nets were so full, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking says, when Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees and said, Oh Lord, please leave me for I am a sinful man. So as I said, he didn't know who he was helping until the harvest came. Okay, this is where I'm going to end. The next thing that we need to understand as we walk on this journey, as we go through this journey is, You've, record, you've, you've seen the opportunity, even if you don't know. And a lot of times you will not know that it will unlock something. You just see a need in your environment and you think, okay, I'm going to forget about all the things that I'm going through. I see someone here that needs my help. I have what they need for me to be able to help them. So I'm just going to do it, right? And then by doing it, now what comes after that? Please don't miss this because I think this is where we sort of miss it. There is an instruction that is going to come as a result because the, the law of service means that something has opened up, a harvest has opened up for you. Now to be able to get that harvest, there is something you need to do, right? There is an instruction. How come when Jesus finished using Peter's boat, he didn't just say, Okay, off you go. Um, just close your eyes. And by the time you count to 10 and open them, all the nets are going to be full of fish. He required him to do something. He required him to do something. 
Do you understand that? He required him to do something. When Joseph had the opportunity to go to Pharaoh, he wasn't just, oh, Pharaoh saw Joseph and said, I just, I just like the look of you. All the seeds you've been sowing, all this while, I just love the way you look. He still had to interpret a dream. He still had to give the solution to Pharaoh. So what am I saying? There will be an instruction or an opportunity that will come as a result of that service that you have rendered. And guess what? It will not look like what it's bringing to you. When Jesus said to Peter, cast your net on the other side, it was probably the most, I don't know, ridiculous thing. Because number one, Peter was a seasoned fisherman. Jesus was not. He was, in fact, he was raised a carpenter. So how can a carpenter be given a fisherman instructions on fishing? What am I saying? It will be something that will look so foolish that unless, unless you are looking for it, you can easily miss it through things like pride and ego. So look, there will be an instruction. Look out for an instruction that will come, that will unlock that abundance and the harvest that is already yours. It doesn't belong to anyone else. It is yours. It belongs to you. But it is going to come in a way that you are not expecting, or at least the way that the world is not expecting. So, when Jesus said to Peter, listen, you have served, but there's a gap between the service you have rendered and the harvest, and it's called obedience. It's called being able to recognize opportunities and to act on those opportunities. So your prayer in that season, right, once you find that there's a need, and thank God I have the ability to help with this need. Your prayer at that point in time, as you offer and render that services, Father, open my eyes so that I will recognize the instruction that will unlock my abundance. It is not automatic. There is something that is involved between the service you have rendered and it's the Bible says you put in the sickle. It says when the harvest is ready, it says you put in the sickle immediately. So that action of putting in the sickle is what will unlock the abundance. Do you understand that? So you keep your ears to the ground. When an opportunity comes that doesn't look like what it is, as in someone, let me describe this way. Someone walks up to you and says, um, I'm going to give you a billion dollars, right? You look around, you first of all probably look at their shoes or their watch or something or some, I think you want to see evidence that can you even give me 100, 100 pounds first before you come and just stand. You want to Google their name and say, do they have that kind of money? What I'm saying is it would not look like what it is promising. The opportunity or the instruction will not look like what it is promising. That's what the Bible talks about putting in the sickle, putting in the sickle. Do you understand that? Putting in the sickle. So when you have rendered the service, so anytime in this season, you find yourself, there's somebody, you know, you didn't go looking for it. You didn't go and say, okay, let me, who can I go and bless? Do you understand? Somebody just shows up in your environment and you're like, 
oh, you need help. Oh, don't worry. I, I can help you. I have what you need. Let me help you. And you follow through and you help them. I want you to be vigilant. I don't want you to just say, well, I'm remember what happens next is your responsibility. Okay. I want you to be vigilant and now say, God, open my eyes because I know like Peter, the same way that I gave my boat to Jesus and I helped him do what he needed to do. There is an instruction. There's an opportunity that will immediately follow that, that once I obey that instruction or take that opportunity, it's like me putting in the sickle and my harvest would immediately show. Once you follow that instruction, go and rest because the rest is not up to you. God himself is going to bring that abundance to you. Okay. That's why I said the third one is you have to be able to recognize opportunities. So the law of service goes hand in hand with recognizing opportunities. As I round up, I'm going to just, um, summarize what it means to have the law of service. Okay. The first one, as I said, is you need a paradigm shift. If you go around saying I'm helping people, I'm sowing seeds so I can reap a harvest, but in your own crisis, you believe that this thing has come to bury me. Why is it always happening to me? And you're always complaining. Then it defeats the purpose. So first of all, you have to change the glasses. Don't ever think that something has come to bury you. No, he has come to elevate you. Because God, your father, has promised that he will work all things together for your good. That's the first one. The second one is what happens next is not up to anyone. It doesn't depend on anything outside of you. The moment you decide that it depends on your economy, whether I'm going to get a job will depend on how COVID-19 affects the economy and how things pan. Once you begin to say and think like that, you have already taken the responsibility away from yourself and you have given it to something outside of your control. What happens next is entirely up to you. So you either encounter or en enjoy and experience what God has written or you go with the flow. And then the last one is the opportunities to serve, number one. And secondly, the opportunities to unlock the harvest after you have served are within your environment. You don't need to go far. You don't need to go far. The first one it just basically, for you to engage with the first one, what does it require for you to look beyond your own problems? The more you focus on your own problems, the less you will see those opportunities in your environment. That's the first way. So take your eyes off yourself and say, look around you. Who can you help? Who is right there in your environment that you know you can help, right? The second one, the second one, what will stop it is pride and ego because you look at it and say, see the person that wants to give me a billion pounds. You don't even look like a billion pounds to start with. And you disdain that opportunity or that instruction because it doesn't look like what is delivering. So those are the two pitfalls that can hinder you from number one, sowing the seed that will unlock the harvest. And then secondly, carrying out the action that will bring the harvest.
Okay? So that's what I've come to share today about the law of service. These are things I know that are instructions that can definitely, listen, no matter what the crisis may look like. No, and remember, if you just, if you joined after I said all of this, a crisis is where number one, you are dissatisfied. You feel unfulfilled. You feel like there's much more to me or to this situation that, that I'm experiencing. A crisis is when you have invested a lot and you look at what's coming out of it and you're like, there's no correlation. I'm putting in more than is coming out. From where you are standing, if you apply these things that I'm talking about today, I guarantee you, because these are laws, I guarantee you that you will come out and you will thrive. You will not just come out like somebody is chasing you, barely made it out with your life. No, you will come out with spoil. You will come out with great abundance. Right, so the the other four laws... So the law of vision, the law of anticipation, the law of synergy, the law of reinvention, even though they all work together, they also stand alone. And these are things that you can literally begin to practice from where you're standing. And I believe by the grace of God that we will thrive in this crisis. We are going to shine as lights in darkness. Amen. Okay. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And we'll be back tomorrow at the same time. Bye.